Welcome back to the Throw the Fly Coach podcast. Coach Jerry with you here this week. Hope you enjoyed week 15 of the NFL. It was super entertaining. If this is your first podcast, we encourage you to go back to one of the early ones to get a bit more of a feel for how we're doing these. Thanks to those of you who have been shooting feedback to us uh, over the course of the season. And let's get on to week 15. So looking back at this past weekend, a lot of great games. And let's start off with the final game of Week 15, that Monday nighter. Seattle pulling off that amazing upset with that 92-yard drive by Drew Locke, the backup quarterback who got bounced out of Denver. Philly is showing how vulnerable they really are. And the wide receivers on that drive, there were three different ones that made unbelievable catches on that drive for Seattle to pull that off. So that was a fantastic game right down to the end. Of course, we've got to talk about my Broncos. Uh, despite the fact that they lost on Saturday night, they ran into a renewed Lions team. And it's really nothing to be ashamed of for the Broncos. The Lions showed why they are not the same old Lions. They are young and still learning consistency, but they're good. Now, I am going to throw a flag at Coach Payton, not for the loss, for, for, but for the stupid tirade that he starts ripping Russell Wilson on the sidelines. For what? It was on an offensive penalty, had nothing to do with Russell Wilson. And even if it did, what are you accomplishing by ripping your franchise quarterback on the sidelines? You know the cameras are going to carry it. And sure enough, that came in the press conferences. They kept asking you, gave them garbage answers. There's nothing to be gained. I know the emotions are high and you just want to take a strip off someone. But you're a Hall of Fame coach. You're experienced. you got to know better. And you're the leader of the team. And you got to be able to bite your tongue, move on to the next thing, and fix it. And you didn't do that. And because of that, you made a couple of bad coaching decisions right after that. That, I mean, not that you would have won the game, but it cost you points. And, and because you you took the bait and you just let your emotions get away from you. So I'm throwing a flag on you, Coach Payton. You should know better than that. And as tough as it was to watch Detroit just run all over Denver, how about that Dallas-Buffalo game that we talked about last week? Now that was worth watching. Well, at least the first half anyway, while Dallas was still in the game. But how about that beatdown? Good for Buffalo, adjusting and staying with the running game that cut through that Dallas defense. The AFC is deep. Buffalo's still not in a, in a prominent spot yet, but I don't think anybody wants to play the Bills the way they're playing the last few weeks. They're a hot team, and if they get in the playoffs, they're going to scare some people. And Dallas, well, Dallas is Dallas. They're a good team, but you don't know whether to trust them. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who gets into the playoffs in the AFC. On Saturday, what was that with the Pittsburgh Steelers? The big vaunted, you know, black and gold, the steel curtain. What was that? They got run over by the Colts and they didn't even have their starting running back. What was that? They couldn't stop anybody. That was pretty awful. Didn't see that type of domination coming. And I'm throwing a flag on George Pickens. And if you haven't heard yet, Pickens is probably their most talented wide receiver. But you want to talk about one of the laziest players on the field. Guy who has got no heart, no spine, no nothing to him. They're showing plays where this guy is not blocking. He's not engaging. He's just standing there. He's not even standing there properly like a pylon would even stop. He, he's awful. He gets out of the way instead of actually getting in there and blocking for a teammate. And when questioned and challenged about it, his response was, well, he didn't want to risk injury. Are you kidding? Do you know what sport you're in? It's a collision sport, dope. If you don't want to play football, don't play football. But the idea of not engaging because you're afraid of an injury, that's a joke. 
Go play professional tiddlywinks, you moron. You're in the wrong sport, and you're letting those 52 other guys on the roster down, and you don't deserve your paycheck. doesn't matter how much talent you have, idiot. So I'm throwing my next flag at George Pickens of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And Mike Tomlin, you got to bench that guy. It doesn't matter how much talent he's got. you got to show the rest of the team that everybody has to fight for their playing time, even these morons with some talent. Then maybe they'll actually, you know, I don't know, not take plays off. And then the last game, it was also a Saturday game, was between the Bengals and the Vikings. And the Vikings had the lead, and T. Higgins makes an unbelievable catch with about a minute left in the game to tie it, send it to overtime that allowed the Bengals to win. But that is one of the best end-of-game catches you will ever see because the Vikings player was actually taking him out of bounds at the one. He was stopping him from getting in the end zone. And as he's falling out of bounds, T. Higgins has a presence of mind to just move the ball over the defender to go over the red zone, uh, the, over the touchdown line before he actually hits the ground. And it ends up counting for a touchdown. They had to review it. It was unbelievable. It looked like he was stopped and he made the touchdown on that play when nobody thought he could. That was fantastic. So those are the key highlights I saw in week 15. I hope you enjoyed those two. So as we do every week, we take a look at our top five teams, according to me, Coach Jerry, uh, based on where the teams are at after the last, uh, after the last week's uh, outcomes. And so let's start with number five. Some people are going to be surprised, but it's Kansas City. I got Kansas City number five. Yes, they went into Foxborough. They won. New England is not very good. Didn't look that great. But I trust the champs more than I trust Philly or Dallas out of the NFC East. Kansas City shows up, and what people still are not talking about is that they have an elite defense, and defense wins championships. These guys know how to win in the playoffs. They've got the best quarterback in the game, and even though the receivers can't catch anything, uh, especially <laughs> Kadarius Tony. Anyways, I'm not going to get into that. We'll save that for another week. Uh, but the Chiefs showed why you can rely on them, and they show the heart of a champion uh, going in, not playing their best football, but they find a way to win going away. So I got Kansas City as number five. Number four, I got Miami. Miami's been a hit or miss team all year, but they blew the doors off the Jets. They beat them 30 to nothing, and they didn't even have Tyreek Hill in the lineup. And they won going away. And if they wanted to put more points up like they did against Denver, they could have. But, you know, they, they pulled back and they still crushed the Jets. And they did what they were supposed to do. They, they look good. They're only one game away from the AFC conference um, seating as number one. So, you know, they're, they're an outstanding team. And so you, you can't have a top five list, I think, without Miami. But they need Tyreek Hill back. And this week they have a huge game against the Cowboys. They haven't done very well against good teams, and so they're going to get a good team coming down to Miami this week. So let's see if Miami stays in the top five going forward. Number three has got to be Detroit. Uh, they got it right against Denver. They had a couple of weird games and weird losses, but boy, did they come out swinging. And they're starting to get their injured players back, and that was just a beatdown against Denver. And it was painful to watch, but Detroit, all credit, especially Jared Goff, they started running the ball. Uh, better play calling, and the defense stood up. Uh, so Detroit definitely third right now for sure. And then the top two I don't think are going to be a huge surprise. But number two is the Baltimore Ravens. They're the best in the AFC, but they're going to get tested on Monday night. Uh, they've lost a couple of weird games, but when you look at them top to bottom, their roster, their talent, they're stacked on both sides. And they're currently the one seed in the AFC. 
Uh, so they're definitely number two. And number one is the team they're going to be playing against is San Francisco. Uh, San Francisco clearly is the best team, but they're also going to be tested on Monday night. This could be a Super Bowl preview uh, with both one seeds, both top teams of the NFC and AFC playing on Monday night on Christmas Day. So that should be a lot of fun. So that's how I see the top five teams after week 15. San Francisco, number one. The Ravens, number two. The Lions roaring in at number three. The Dolphins at number four. And the defending champs, the Chiefs, at number five. So we usually try to tackle uh, a main topic uh, during the podcast, and for this week, we're gonna take we're just gonna take a few minutes to talk about the backup quarterbacks in the NFL this year. Now, every year it seems to come up because the quarterback position is so important, and if you lose your starting quarterback, you're in trouble. And the teams that are able to sustain and have a decent backup quarterback have found ways to keep their season going long enough if their starting quarterback can come back. But this year has been like. None other. There have been quarterbacks going down all over the place. And not just once. You've got some teams that are at their fourth and fifth string quarterbacks since the beginning of the season. So it's it's quite the anomaly. But backup quarterbacks are winning games. And they're positioning teams for the playoffs. And so it's quite the phenomenon. And I think one of the things that general managers forget, and even fans forget, that it's not just about the quarterback or the superstar. Football, unlike any other uh, North American sport, it's a 53-man roster. That means you guys, you got 53 guys on the team that all have a special role, either as a starter or as a backup. And a lot of times, it comes down to 40th player, 50th player, and in some cases, even down to that 53rd guy, whether you win or lose. And that's one of the things that makes it such a unique team sport. And so one of the things you got to keep in mind, even though they don't get paid a lot, a backup quarterback is gold. Because having a backup quarterback can keep you in it. Look at the Cleveland Browns. They're at their fourth-string quarterback. And again, <laughs> to their credit, I guess, they went after an old guy, former Super Bowl MVP, Joe Flacco from like 10 years ago, 11 years ago. But he was on the couch keeping himself in shape. And they called him up a few weeks ago and said, hey, can you come in? And he's got some limitations, and he's bounced around. But they've protected him. They've given him just enough so that he can't screw it up. And Cleveland's defense is elite. So they just needed somebody who wasn't going to screw up the quarterback position, and they would be in it. And look out. Cleveland's now on a four-game win streak, and they're the top uh, wild card right now in the AFC. And because of their defense, and because Flacco is just keeping it going with his experience, they could actually have an upset or two in the playoffs the way they're playing right now. Now, let's look at another AFC team that had like a Hall of Fame starter, Aaron Rodgers, who played all but, what, four games, had nobody as a backup, and, at, and starting the fifth play in week one, their season was done. Done! They were, it was over! So look at the difference. Cleveland had to go to four different quarterbacks. That's how far down they had to go. But their defense was elite. They made some adjustments. They got the right guy. And, and not only are they in the hunt, they're probably going to make the playoffs and maybe even do some damage. The Jets had a Hall of Famer starting, only got them for four plays, and they had nobody to go to. They had no backup. They made no investment in the backup. And they've been you know, floundering ever since, and their season was done. I mean, they're officially done now, but we knew they were done in September. So that's the kind of difference a backup quarterback can make. 
And so time and time again, we see it. Even Patrick Mahomes had his backup come in a couple of times during this dynastic run the last few years where they've been able to make the AFC Championship and even the Super Bowl, even though they had to rely on a backup in the playoffs as well as in the regular season. So don't give up on the backup quarterback. And hey, you GMs out there, maybe you'll learn this time because this time it's so glaring. You know, save a couple of mil for the backup instead of blowing the entire 50 mil on the starter. Just a thought. Okay, so we're going to take a look at our divisional spotlight, and we're going to look at the AFC South a little bit more closely for the next few minutes. And so let's start with the way the order is, and what a weird order it is. We have a three-way tie for first place in the AFC South. Jacksonville seemed to have this thing won. They were the young team on the rise. They had the best quarterback in the division. Uh, they had a lot of good talent. They've been building properly, and they were running away with this. But once Trevor Lawrence got injured, they had a couple of hiccups against good teams. Jacksonville's kind of come back to the pack. And then we got Houston and Indy tied with them, and then Tennessee in the bottom. So let's take a closer look at each team. So with Jacksonville, it's really simple. If Trevor Lawrence is healthy, not only do they have a chance to win the division, they can do some damage in the playoffs. But if Trevor Lawrence isn't healthy, forget the division. I don't even think they make the playoffs as a wildcard team. I think they're out. And so Trevor Lawrence right now is in concussion protocol. And we don't even know if he's going to play this week, let alone in the following weeks. they got to get him back. If they don't, Jacksonville's done. This was a team that people were talking about that could have the number one seed in the AFC two weeks ago. And the idea that now they could even be on the outside looking in, unbelievable. Uh, when you look at them, you got to remember that they're a young team. They're making young team mistakes. They have lots of talent, but especially last week, they had issues of clock management, getting aligned properly, the personnel packages, who goes in versus who stays on the sidelines. The coaching has got to be better. Doug Peterson's an experienced coach. I don't know about the rest of his coaching staff, but I wonder, because when you start to see some of these kind of issues with a younger team, the coaching and the teaching has to be better, or Jacksonville won't make that next step. Then looking at Houston. Houston is also 7-7. Seven and seven. But the same note goes as goes for Jacksonville. If C.J. Stroud, their starting quarterback, is healthy, they're going to make the playoffs. And no one saw this coming at the beginning of the season. The Texans were the second-worst team in the NFL last year. Everybody thought they were going to be in the basement, and they're still rebuilding. So just the fact that after, after 14, 15 weeks, they're 7-7 seven and seven, and that they're tied for a division, it's amazing. But here's the thing. If C.J. Stroud is out, it's a Texas barbecue, baby. They're done. For the playoffs. Forget division, forget wild card, forget any of it. They're out. They took a big gamble in trading picks so that they could pick number two and number three in the draft. And now they could have both the offensive and defensive rookies of the year in the same year. Um, that's amazing. And that tells you what kind of foundation they have for the next few years to come. Uh, Houston's definitely an up and comer. You just hope the kid, uh, CJ Stroud, can play. Uh, but if he can't, then Houston's done. Good season, but they're not making anything. Now, this one, I have to admit, is a total surprise to me because this is a dog team. I think they've made all kinds of bad decisions, and yet the Indianapolis Colts are staying afloat, and they are tied at 7-7. Seven and seven. Now, it doesn't hurt that this entire AFC South division has had a pretty easy schedule between playing against each other and playing the South of the other conference, which is the second worst uh, or probably the worst division in football. All of these guys have had an easy schedule, so they benefited from that. But even still, for them to stay afloat, 
And congratulations to Gardner Minshew, another backup. He's kept that offense going, and he's been keeping them in games. Now, they need to make sure they keep leaning on their running back, a running game down the stretch, especially if they get Jonathan Taylor back, which they're expecting from injury this week. But that running game completely crushed the Steelers last week. A very good, apparently, Steeler defense, and their running game destroyed them. If they keep leaning on their running game, they've got a chance. Uh, and they've got a chance to, to make the playoffs uh, despite the fact that um, they survived a stupid decision to start their high draft pick star QB, number fourth overall, who everybody said is a project, don't start him, he's going to need time to develop. They threw him to the Wolves, he got beaten and bruised, and then basically got, he was lost for the year uh, from injury. And despite that, they were fortunate enough to have a legitimate backup who's got a lot of experience, and Gardner Minshew has bailed this team out. So the Colts are right there. So you got a three-way tie, uh, the AFC South, 7-7. Seven and seven. And then the last team in the AFC South is Tennessee. They had, a, they had a, a big lead late last week, and they gave that game away to Houston, losing it in overtime. I loved the retro uniforms that they wore last week, the uh, old Houston Oilers baby blues from the 70s, and even that homage to the coach Bum Phillips by Coach Mike Vrabel with the large cowboy hat on the side. I mean, that was a nice touch. That little, you know, kind of shout-out to that old beloved team, the Houston Oilers, who then moved to Tennessee. That was pretty nice. But that said, that's about all that was nice uh, about the Tennessee Titans. Uh, this team's going to be in the basement of the division, and a key question is going to be, how are they going to develop their rookie quarterback, Will Levis? He's injured, like almost everybody else, but he's got a ton of talent. He's not scared of the moment. He's got a cannon for an arm. He's got great mobility. Uh, he'll make the tough throws, but he's raw, and he needs to be taught to be a franchise quarterback. And they haven't had one of those since Steve McNair 15, 20 years ago. They've had a couple of decent years with Ryan Tannehill, but he's just an average quarterback, and it's really hard to win with that. The other question is, what's going to happen with Vrabel? He's in his last year uh, of his contract. Is he going to return as a coach? There's been a lot of talk that Tennessee wants to move on from him. I think they'd be nuts to let him go. Uh, I think what they should do is bring in a proven offensive mind and a teacher to work with him to develop their quarterback and their offense. But Vrabel has done a lot with very little talent when you compare him to other teams. And he has an ability to motivate and develop physicality in his players. And nobody likes playing them because they are so tough to play. Um, so I think it'd be a huge mistake to let, let Vrabel go. But let's see what Tennessee is going to do because they're frustrated. They're spinning their wheels. But they might have their franchise quarterback. So if you keep the coaching in place, maybe they can build on this. So that's the AFC South in a nutshell. I think my call right now with uh, three weeks left is that I think Jacksonville is going to hang on by the skin of their teeth and win the division. Then I think Indy is going to be next. Maybe they get a wild card. I'm not sure. But I think they'll be the ones ending up second in the division. Houston, I think, is going to fall off at the end. They've had an amazing season, but I don't think they can sustain it, especially the way it looks with their quarterback. And then Tennessee, they're just at the bottom, and they have a lot of stuff to fix. So that's how I see the AFC South. So turning the page to Christmas weekend, and that's pretty exciting. Uh, Christmas is a fun time of year, and uh, it's also a lot of fun to catch up on football games. So this weekend, we've got, again, games spread out over multiple days. But these are the top three that I would consider you uh, or that I would encourage you to consider watching where maybe, you know, you you put aside some of the chocolate or you sneak away from the kids playing with their new toys and see if you can get a glimpse of these three games somehow through the weekend. 
The first, the top one, it's Baltimore at San Francisco. And I don't know why they put this on Christmas Day, but this is the Monday night football game. So the whole nation's going to be watching. It's a possible Super Bowl preview like we talked about. I laugh because you see reports that Baltimore feels disrespected because they're underdogs. You know what? If you lose to Indianapolis and you lose to Cleveland, you deserve to be an underdog, especially when you go on the road against the best team. Like, it's so stupid that they even utter this, like that they can even say this with a straight face. I can't stand the Ravens in general, but this just makes me just shake my head. I hope San Francisco punks them. Like, I hope they really show them what it means to play a real meaningful game in December. So, but that game, two heavyweights, could be a Super Bowl preview, should be a... It should be a close game, even though I'm, I'm hoping for a blowout, but two very good teams. The second game I would encourage you to take a look at, if you can, is on Christmas Eve. In the 4 o'clock slot, you've got Dallas at Miami. Miami finally has a chance at home to beat a really good team. They've lost to all the good teams that they've played all year. Uh, they've beat up on the lowly teams, but they've struggled against the good teams. And then Dallas, they need to show that they can win on the road, especially after the way they looked in Buffalo last week. And this is, again, on the road against a good team. So this should be a really good game. Both AFC, NFC, both are going to be playoff teams. Lots of stars on the field. And then the third, it's so funny. I never thought I would have called this at the beginning of the season. The third game that I encourage you to, to watch is a battle of Florida. The Jacksonville Jaguars at the Tampa Bay Bucks. Believe it or not, both these teams are leading their divisions right now. And both need to win badly to hold on to the division leads uh, or a wild card. And probably both of them are so low, they're not even going to get a wild card. So they got to hang on for dear life and keep winning to win their division and get into the playoffs. So this should be like a playoff game because both of them need it. Loser could be out. So I think that should be a really competitive and fun game to watch. So keep those in mind when you're uh, looking at uh, which games to watch for Week 16. And just so you know for next week, it's the last week of the year 2023. So we're going to take a quick look back and identify our top five sports heroes and our top five sports zeros of the year. And so we'd encourage you to send us some messages about who you think should be on either list. Our focus of those top fives are going to be on the NFL, but we'll look at other sports heroes and zeros if they're worthy. So we encourage you to follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a wonderful Christmas holiday break. And look forward to talking to you next week on Throw the Flag, Coach Podcast.